What is up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Apex F1 podcast, Monaco GP edition. We're going to cover over what went on over the weekend as a whole, crazy qualifying circumstances, and even go through the race. So grab your gloves, strap on your helmet, because you're about to turn onto the Apex. back everybody and we're glad you're here thank you so much for joining us for this week's apex f1 podcast monaco gp edition for those of you who are joining us my name is ryan and i'm josh and we're two formula one couch strategists bringing you absolutely terrible opinions some historical facts and some all-around banter to your ears but our logo's cool yeah but our logo's cool so hope you like that (laughs) josh what do you think about this weekend because I mean, this was this whole thing was a mess, and it feels like a blur to me. I mean, it did really feel like a blur. I would say this was the best race that I've seen, but it wasn't, and I really wanted it to be, and I overhyped it myself. Like, on our last episode, we were like, is it overhyped? And, uh, yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> so now you're like, yeah, this is, uh, this is a little bit Yeah, I, I defended Monaco, and it let me down. And, yeah, I think it's going to let you down every time. There's always next year. There's, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's always next year. Um, all right. So, why don't we? So, we're going to introduce a new section. Uh, this section is called Slipstream. For those of you who are new to us, we're kind of trying out some new stuff and we're going to kind of make things a little bit more streamlined. So, this is called the Slipstream. The first, the first idea of this, uh, Slipstream is we're going to take a couple of points from the whole race weekend in and of of itself, and we're just going to kind of gently go over them just to kind of like figure out what's going on and kind of bring them to you in a shave down sense Uh, to keep it simple, basically. So what I chose for this slipstream section, I want to talk about qualifying. So qualifying was probably the most interesting thing that happened this weekend on Monaco, and I say that in a sense of because the race itself just sucks every single year every time i've watched it it is absolutely terrible and it's it's just one of those things that i like we said in our last episode with izzy is that which by the way if you have not listened to that episode please go back and listen to that episode right now because it is a really good episode and isabel shares a lot of good points it's always been a good good part because of the history but qualifying is the most entertaining thing to me because that's where all the action happens. You know, now I, I really think that they should change the way that they do the qualifying. Um, like it should be a shootout. Yes. I mean, let's be honest here. Qualifying has been the most interesting part of every weekend this whole year. Yeah. It's because, because that's where you see it. Right. It's just all the unknown are right there. And like, you're just, there's so much like belief that this that this weekend's going to be different than last or somebody's going to beat Red Bull and then it's just it just dive bombs and this yeah. this qualifying was no different except for when Perez wrecked in Q1 and before they announced that it was Perez I was I so thought it was Verstappen and I jumped off of my couch and was like did the hurrah yes. yeah and yes. I was like and then you saw it was Perez yeah and, and then they like, said it was Perez Whoa. and I was like I mean shoot <laughs> I think I think and everybody in the audience was or like who was watching it was like, oh, my God, it's Verstappen. We're going to have an excellent race. And then they saw it was present. It was like, OK, because that was my first initial reaction. That was what I was going to talk about was 
you know, I wanted it to be like Verstappen. That way we can get Fernando in the front row and, you know, at least him having a good chance of being in the front row because, you know, let's face it, he is the, the Giga Chad, you know, Alonzo. One of the one of the cool things that I noticed was that and we'll we'll go into this later, but I wanted to see Red Bull must have been excuse my French, but they have been shitting their pants to see the floor get revealed. And when they hoisted up his car, I I was like, oh no. Oh no. Everyone is going to see this and they are going to be absolutely just all over the place with this. So like there were absolutely beautiful images of the the underside of Perez's car and it was amazing. I just couldn't believe it. I but you know Mercedes also had the same thing in FP3. So they they were also afraid of getting their floor shown as well because that's like a closely guarded secret. I was very like I didn't even think about it like that. Cuz I was just so upset that I wasn't Max. That is huge. Everybody's going to be able to see that and oh man, I'm I'm excited for that. Like there's going to be photos on it online and everything that's going to be up there but one thing i want to say about qualifying is that Alcon or alpine in general uh did a very good job and i was very pleased to see that even gasly was up there so it was great great qualifying like you said i i I think it was an excellent qualifying from alpine um you know they did great uh piastri had a, a pretty solid q2 um alonzo Alcon, Charles all had great qualifying sessions. You know, due to the incident in the tunnel, we'll talk about that in the whose fault was it with Lando Norris and Charles Leclerc. But, you know, that was that was just one of those things that was like, you know, they gave him a penalty, a three place grid penalty just for Sunday's race. And, you know, it was one of those things that was like, okay, yeah, it was <laughs> the FIA just loves was, the shit on Ferrari. They do. They they love to just make random. I mean, technically, we'll we'll get into that later. It was just, it was one of those penalties that I was like, really? Really? Okay. But anyway, so just to recap, does anybody have anything to say about the qualifying in the weekend? For those of us that can hear us, go ahead and type it in the chat. Ask us a question or say something. One from Willem is that it, it was absolutely god awful. It was <laughs> shit. We'll, well just, we'll, we'll put it as that. Yeah, and that the new rules will make the cars public on Thursday to be able to see, like most teams have been able to see each other's floors, but still. Oh, yeah, that's that's a good point. I didn't think about that. But uh, I mean, like, the, the, I don't think they were able to see the un- underside of the floor, right? Because that was one of the things that they were looking at. Red Bull could show off their whole car. And nobody's going to catch them. So what's that matter? That's true. Because, you know, Izzy's here. Hi, Izzy. She actually liked qualifying. You know, I preferred qualifying over the race. Uh, the race was, we'll get into the race in a little bit. It was okay. I think it was a, a mid-race. Not too bad, but it was also not too boring. It still had its little details and stuff. There's like the mini races in between. Like there's definitely a lot of uh, strategy, if you want to say that. But there's definitely moving parts within the race and, and qualifying, of course. Like there's definitely little bits and pieces to keep you interested in part of F1 and be excited for it. But overall, it was just not satisfying with the lack of action and pace. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Why don't we go into our, our main segment, which is the Apex. So the, the whole point of the Apex so basically, we're going to do a deep dive into uh, one specific point of the race. Josh and I both have a specific point that we're going to talk about. And then we're going to go ahead and take a look at the chat and see if there's anything that we can dive into as an, an impromptu sort of topic. So, Josh, why don't you go first? 
All right. So my point that I wanted to take is uh, right when the rain started happening and like uh, tire strategy started changing for pits and everything, since this is the only time to be at least a little bit strategic throughout the whole race, this was when everybody's moment to shine. And I feel like Aston Martin definitely dropped the ball because Aston Martin was the only person or the only Alonzo was the only person that was able to even be able to overtake Max. And for some reason, I do not understand why Alonzo went in and got a medium tire, switched from hard to mediums when he did, when there was clearly rain coming down and they were checking the forecast for the whole race and checking it and checking it. And nobody wanted to take their eyeballs off the damn screen to look at the track to see if it was actually wet or not. And as soon as they came in, it was like, obviously it was raining. And even Stroll took intermediate tires. So they're like, okay, yeah, we're going to put him on intermediate tires for the rain, but we're not going to put him on Alonzo's car so that he can just come in the next lap and be behind Max in the damn pits and could have taken the lead. Like, granted, they would have came out at like almost the same time and been close, but like, holy shit, it was just bonkers. Like, why put Stroll on intermediates, but not Alonzo? Yeah, I, you know, I couldn't believe that they had, they had pitted him for, for mediums. And literally, they, you know, made him do one whole lap, and then he had to come back in and then go onto, I think it was intermediate tires, or was it wets? Stroll was on the intermediates, and he was slipping and sliding all over the place. The very next lap, it was intermediates. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought, for some reason, I thought it was full wets, but... Uh-huh. <laughs> I I could not believe how much rain was coming down in that short amount of time that they were saying, you know, it was supposed to be like within a four, three or four lap period from when they said it. And it just, it just absolutely started downpouring. You know, I, th- I think they, they definitely took one out of Ferrari's book. Yeah. I love what, uh, Izzy said. <laughs> Izzy, uh, definitely had a good point. You know, I think that they could have, they could have been, a little bit more strategic with their thing. It's just they're 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 all messing up. Yeah, dude. I it. I almost shut the damn TV off. To be honest, I got frustrated. I was get. I was like yelling, like, "What are you doing? I literally Why are you doing this?" The whole race, waiting for the moment for Alonso to take over Max, because it there was no way that it wasn't gonna happen. Like Max drove the hell out of those medium tires and stayed out there for way longer than I think anybody probably would have guessed. And I was kind of surprised, but at at the same time, Alonzo had an opportunity to be able to overtake him. Definitely. Oh yeah. And he, he had his opportunity and I think he, uh, you know, the team kind of accidentally cost him that on, on his, on their part. And yeah, I think in the post race interview or the conference, uh, when they were talking to the press, um, he was visibly frustrated with that call. And they were saying, you know, it's it's like 99% of the track is, I think he said it was either wet or it was dry. And then all of a sudden they ended up, you know, they couldn't figure it out. And then they ended up, you know, having him put on uh, mediums. And then they sent him around and it just absolutely started pouring. So then they called him back in and, and put him on intermediates. So. Yeah, I don't know if it was like just unlucky or if it was... I don't know. It just seemed like they were trying so hard not to lose. I just really wanted them to try to win. Like, yeah, put the intermediates I, on. Uh, you guys were calling it the whole race about when the rain was coming. I think from like lap 10 or something, Alonzo was asking about the rain. 
So if you've seen it on the radar and looked at it for so long and was talking about it and stuff, just throw the intermediates on. Like, what the hell? Yeah. What do you have to lose? Like Willem said, it's a healthy mistake, but try to win instead of not to lose. Yeah, race to win, not to lose. If you ain't first, you're last. Um, in the words of uh, Talladega Nights, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> so th- that was all like excellent points, Josh, that you that you said. My points that I went for was uh, the whole floor incident. This was this was something that I wanted to take a deep dive into because that basically they get to see the cars on Thursday because that's that's what they are supposed to do. I don't think anybody has seen the floor in a more intimate sense than when Lewis Hamilton's car was craned up over Monaco. Yeah, basically the public hasn't. The public hasn't seen it, and it's basically that only the inside teams have, not not everybody else. The the cool thing is is that it gets more eyes on it to see and possibly, you know, and this is just my thinking, is that there could be somebody on the outside looking in who can get offer these different points to help change the floor to make it more aerodynamically efficient for wind tunnel time, et cetera, et cetera, and testing at the end of the year. You know, I think that's it, it just looked really bad for both teams. They cut to Adrian Newey when they were hoisting up Perez's car, and he I could tell he just looked visibly like I, I couldn't tell if it was like dying inside or if it was more he was just like just cringing at like, oh God, everyone could see this now. So I guess it's pretty much the same the first thing I said. Or that he just wrecked in Q1. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could have been too. And now they got to put back together the car. Um, but it, it was just funny because it was like all of Monaco, half of France had seen the floor, you know, from when they were hoisting it up on those cranes. You know, I think there's even a picture of somebody. It literally looks like he's like five feet from the floor and he's just like taking a picture from it. I would. And one of the things that I noticed was that Mercedes air ducts in the floor, they go more towards the midline center of the car. Whereas Red Bull, there's more hanging out towards the middle of bilaterally. So they're like, you know, on both sides, it's not more towards the middle per se of the car. It's more pushed out towards like towards the outer side, not fully out, but like in between. And I thought that was very interesting because it's just a different way to push air through the floor of the car and it's creating that ground effect. That was just something, I mean, now we haven't really seen Mercedes upgrades at an actual track and which we're going to see that this weekend when they go to Spain. The only problem is, is we're going to see a lot of tire degradation because that track just absolutely eats up tires like nothing. Well, and Ferrari also put in a new floor too. Yeah. I think it was when we were talking about it in uh, Baku. In the Azerbaijan Grand Prix? Yeah, I think it was the one they were taking was, in Miami. Yeah, that was the one that they were going to be working on in Miami, and that was that was an okay race for them. Not really. Um, uh, since we're talking about Ferrari, um, Signs really, really got a, had a tough day. If he would have just stayed off the radio and raced his race, he probably wouldn't have ran into the back of Akon and just, like, screwed himself up right there. But then... yeah. Uh, the rain got him in the end as well. So it was just like he couldn't win on anything. He he qualified really well, but he couldn't capitalize on it. Same with Leclerc. I think he what finished P6. Like that's what he qualified. And uh, he took pole the last two years. So I don't know. Ferrari's definitely fallen off this season. But I don't know. They're 
the drivers want it like like their pace is there like everything is like there they just got to capitalize and not make mistakes yeah i agree and it's you know it's one of those things that ferrari just absolutely needs to as far as like strategy no well not just strategy wise but it's also like part of the car and it's also part of the drivers as well like they they like you said they really want this i just think it's more I don't know. Charles just didn't really seem confident enough when he was qualifying. And that was just my observation. I could be totally wrong, but that's just my personal just opinion seems on like that. They fight the car a lot. They do. They do. And it's very squirrely. Um, it's, you know, it's very like finicky in the corners. You know, I've, I mean, signs really knows how to throw it in there. Yeah. He does he, right in the back of Ocon. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was watching that replay and I was like, okay, this is a little bit, um, what was he doing? Was I mean, he not paying he, attention? I, he was running the racing line. Like he was going to bounce out and follow the racing line in. I think Akon must have like cut the corner a little bit or not necessarily cut, but just took a different inside racing line. Yeah. And he was just coming back out, come back in from that racing line. And it was just Akon stepped on the brakes for too long and signs was expecting it or he was distracted by the radio or like who knows who knows what was happening but it happened yeah it really did it was really tough because it, it literally looked like just absolutely just smashed right into the back of him and almost took out his uh his tire and everything else and uh i think he was even saying on the on the radio he almost he was checking for a puncture because he was losing some uh some speed Alonso was too you know, early on well yeah um why don't we uh, go into this new section, Josh? I think I think everyone's going to like this. Uh, this is going to be a new section for us. We're going to call this the blame game. And uh, basically, you know, Josh and I pick one thing that uh, stuck out to us that happened that caused an incident during the race weekend. And I'm going to pick the incident with Lando and Charles in the tunnel. This is a three-place grid penalty that Charles had uh, received on quality day uh, because of the fact, I think this was actually in Q1, where he was basically like going like super slow in the tunnel after completing a hot lap, and he was basically impeding Lando Norris, and Lando was, was basically getting like really ticked off. He was getting just super frustrated. Charles was just, you know, not really having it. And so they, you know, obviously gave him uh, a three-place grid penalty. But one of the big things that I noticed was that uh, in the post-race interviews, uh, a lot of people took blame at Lando for coming through the tunnel and not minding the way of Charles. What was funny was that Charles was on a cool-down lap. He had just finished his lap, and he was going around the track. Uh, Lando was on a hot lap because he was doing his quality. You know, that just they just came together at the wrong time, but it almost looked like he was impeding uh, Lando. You know, I don't necessarily think that he was. I mean, they might have not have told him that he was coming up on him. Like, I don't know. Chat. Chat says that uh, Lando was impeded. That is true. The tunnel does blind you when it comes out. But, I mean, it goes back to FIA loving, loving to hate those Ferraris, you know? <laughs> And he was impeded. Yeah, but it's basically, you know, the, the FIA just loved to give out the penalties to Charles. So I will say that Charles was at fault for this because, you know, he should have gotten out of the way communicating with his team and, you know, or maybe the team should have been communicating with him, uh, letting him know, like, hey, Lando's on a hot lap. Just 
stay out of the way. Yeah, I mean, you why know. you went, like, why you on the outside of the tunnel like that when you're on, on your cool down lap? Like you know, that's where people drive. Yeah, exactly. And you know, they're they're going to be taking that racing line to go into the uh, the Nouvelle Chicane, and that was one of the the areas that had the most action this week. Um, you know, we saw obviously signs. We saw signs basically ram into the back of Esteban and basically just almost crush. Uh, his back back uh, right tire and his front wing for signs. But there was also a lot of other things that happened there, too. There was, uh, you know, I think it was actually Hulkenberg. Or no, 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 it was uh, Magnuson who spun out there. So for the blame game, I'm not sure. Like, I already talked about the Aston Martin thing. That's what I was going to pick for the blame game, too, was just, like, their strategy and everything. But since we already went kind of deep into that, I'm going to uh, try to change it up. I think I'm going to pick one thing and i'm gonna blame the rain you're gonna blame like the, the rain. rain the well the rain had a, a huge effect on how the grid has resulted maybe not necessarily the top two but definitely the rest of the grid at that point absolutely because there's people flying all over the track sliding off going into the, the escape routes and all that and yuki definitely it affected yuki because he was in ninth at, at one point and then it started raining and he just couldn't break or what for whatever reason like he was having troubles with his brakes or he just wasn't confident enough and um all of a sudden got back to 11th and then slid right off the track and got down to like 14th or 15th or something like that oh that is a good point um izzy in the chat is saying you know mclaren could have also let lando know that no that he was possibly going to run into charles but i also agree that ferrari could have told charles about lando you know, and that's, you know, 100%. Like, that's why I said, you know, that they, the teams need to be communicating with their drivers, letting them know. And, you know, I've even peeked in, listened to team radios and stuff like that. And they're, they always like let them know, hey, you have Russell who's like 0.5 seconds behind you or, you know, five seconds behind you uh, on a hot lap. And then they'll just tell him to move over and get off of the racing line. And it's, and it's Monaco. So you got to be like, on extra careful yeah so definitely a big you know big mess up for ferrari uh they are definitely the ones to blame for that i am sticking with that so josh you were saying your blame game is the rain yeah it had a huge effect i think yeah i i could definitely say so i mean we saw it almost looked like slipping and sliding from lance in uh after the um the hairpin turn and then he was going it it was just absolutely insane. And then uh, my boy Logan having to use the reverse, back it up, Terry. He had to pull it up. You know, he had to pull out, get into gear, and then find his way to get out through the hairpin. And it was just, you know, it was terrible. All right, Josh. So I think it is time for our favorite segment, Top Flop and Top Driver. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. I want to hear everybody's top pick for top flop and top driver. Go ahead and put it in the chat right now. I want to see it um, and we'll talk about it and make sure you make sure you label it what it is. Willem, I'm talking to you because I don't know what you mean. So top flop, Checo, top driver, Logan Sargent. <laughs> um, for top driver, I went for Esteban Alcon because he absolutely drove a stellar race from qualifying P3 to completing P3 on the podium, which was definitely great for him and the team. Um, you know, and 
I'm not going to lie, when he got on provisional poll within the closing stages of Q3, I absolutely lost my mind. I was like, oh my God, there is like 35 seconds left in this, and I cannot believe this is happening. Yeah, I'm going to second, second you on that one. I, I think Akon had an excellent race. Um, granted, it is Monaco. You know, it's basically a train from start to finish. That's, that's just who, how he is. I like how, how much effort he's been putting in this season. Uh, granted, he got three penalties within one race, so at the very beginning of the season, so that was definitely a good comeback for him. It was, yeah, it's a big jump for him and Alpine in, in the entirety. Like, they had a good weekend. Hawkon had a, an exceptional race, a really good qualifying. Uh, so do you want to talk about your top flop? Because it looks like Izzy's top flop is Checo, and I can agree with that. Uh, what, which one's um, yours? <laughs> I'm going to be straight up honest, and this might shock Willem. My top flop was Logan Sargent this weekend. <laughs> Did you come back to reality? Yes. Um, so um, the, reason, the reason why I say <laughs> Logan was, was doing a top flop this weekend. Now, hear me out, everybody. Hear me out. This should be interesting. They were straight up like bullying him to see where there was a fight for 15th at one point. I was watching. It was with uh, Magnuson and uh hulkenberg and i believe even stroll at one point they were all behind him and he just he did not have the pace he did not have the pace stroll about put him in the wall like yeah stroll almost put him in the wall botas was getting um was getting frustrated to the point where he was like logan is like just absolutely driving super slow and he didn't he couldn't get away to pass him which i don't believe that wasn't until like the middle of the race. You know, he was, he just did not look to his best this weekend. Even Perez, Stroll, Botas, you know, all the ones that I mentioned, Joe, they all just passed him. It wasn't even that good. So, you know, he, he could do better. You know, I still got faith in my boy, but he just did not look his best this weekend. So I'm going to say uh, he was my top flop. Yeah, no, Logan Sargent, he definitely just from the first lap from the very first lap you could just tell he was not on point or whatever it just he looked like a child out there uh, granted he's a rookie i know but i mean the Astri was up there at p9 at one point my top flop is gonna have to be stroll just because i think he got a little bit too eager or too hungry like yeah there's definitely you gotta too be angsty. like get your nose in there to be able to yeah and he just you need to get up there and like get around the cars to overtake Monaco. You got to be risky, but it was just too many risks and led to him being out of the race. Like there's a, definitely a, a point where you have to like realize there's not enough room for you. Yes. And to pick your points. Yeah. There's definitely other top flops, but just as a, a pressure point, I think stroll has to do more to keep up in order to help mm -hmm. Alonzo. He's got to do a lot more to help his teammate. And I think, there should be some kind of pressure put on him from from this point going forward that, hey, you got to produce some kind of points. Because if correct me if I'm wrong, I think every single point that Aston Martin has this season is because of Fernando Alonso. Yeah, Alonso, Alonso is definitely carrying uh, Stroll. He is basically the alpha like he is just he's one. I mean, granted, he's he's a all around good person uh, with Stroll, but it's it's just more. Like he's basically outperformed Stroll every single race weekend this season. Stroll has gotten points in a couple of 
races. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. He, he's just not good in all of his races. You know, some races he's good. Uh, some days he's not good. And uh, I feel like we're going to see Yuki Tsunoda in an Aston Martin scene in 2026. I feel it. I feel like it's going to happen. So, yeah, that was my top flop and my top driver. So to kind of go on, like what the chat is saying, you know, uh, Willem is definitely saying, you know, Lawrence, Big Daddy Stroll needs to take his team seriously. Um, you know, if you want championships, you got to do it. I, you know, he likes Lance, but on days like Miami and Monaco, remind me why he's so mediocre. He's a good driver. I just don't think he's good enough to be a champion. You know, I agree with that. That's a good take. Well, I think that's why he's got Alonzo. But is he spitting fire out here? But I think if he really could, he could be a champion. It could be his what he learns from Alonzo during these this season or maybe even the next one, however long Alonzo decides to stay around. But if he wants to be a champion, it, it's his time is now to learn. Now. Yeah, especially when he's got a, um, you know, two time world champion. Uh, driver you know on your team in probably one of the greatest eras of formula one he could definitely learn a lot from alonso and i think he has in some aspects but i think he has too yeah I th he's definitely gained strides but it's just maybe too much confidence like it showed like it definitely showed in monaco this weekend uh just trying to bite off more than he could chew at some points at some corners and it cost him yeah it did it cost him a lot big time i agree you know i think we'll, we'll see hopefully a better performance from lance in uh in spain and canada because uh, i love canada's track montreal has an, a really amazing track um i mean barcelona is just barcelona i'm ready for um monaco trivia if you're if you are let's go ahead yes. and do that all right let's get into the monaco gp trivia first question all right let's go honda has announced that they're joining forces with aston martin in 2026 which of the following F1 teams have Honda never supplied engines to? McLaren, Williams, Alphatari, or Sauber? So, Sauber. Correct. Okay, that's one. If anybody in chat wants to keep track of this, who was the last non-Red Bull driver to win a Grand Prix, Grand Prix with Honda power? Jensen, Button, Fernando Alonso, Damon Hill, or Heinz Harold Frenzen? Let's go with Damon Hill on that one. Wrong. Jensen, Button. The curious case of Jensen Button. Yes. Uh, McLaren are running a special Triple Crown livery in Monaco this weekend as part of the 60th anniversary celebration. Which driver was the first to win the Monaco GP for the team? Jardin Senna, James Hunt, Bruce McLaren, or Alan Frost? It was, um, it was Ayrton Senna. Please tell me it was Ayrton Senna. Frost. Frost Damn it, was I was going to say Frost to too. Yeah. Oh, okay, so I'm at one still. One out of three. <laughs> Willem's killing this. Graham Hill was known as Mr. Monaco for his many victories. How many times did he triumph on the streets of Monte Carlo? Six, seven, five, or four? Five. Correct. Five. It's two out of four, baby. Let's go. Haas are celebrating their 150th Grand Prix this weekend, but can you name the driver lineup from their very first race? Holy shit. Yeah, so... I don't even know okay, how to pronounce so, these things. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen. Kevin Magnussen and Esteban Gutierrez. Roman Grosjean, Esteban Gutierrez. It was Grosjean and Gutierrez. Yes, that is correct. Three out of five. Cool, cool. The Indy 500 is also taking place this weekend, but can you name the first Formula One driver to win the famous race at the Brickyard? Oh, Jackie shit. Jackie Stewart, Graham Hill, 
Jack Robin or Jim Clark? Dude. I'm gonna say chat's just going off. All I hear is just chat face. That's why I turned it off to do not disturb so I don't hear it and see it. I'm gonna say Jim Clark. Yes, that is correct. No way! Alright, cool. <laughs> That's four out of six. Let's go. Let's keep it going. Fernando Alonso is eyeing a return to the top step of the podium this year for the first time since 2013 when he took his last victory in Spanish in the in the Spanish Grand Prix. Can you remember who else was on the podium that day? Oh my Lewis god. Hamilton and Mark Weber, Sebastian Vettel and Felipe Massa. Sebastian Vettel and Mark Weber or Kimi and Felipe Massa. Ooh. So was a, that was a Red Bull dominant era. So I'm going to say it was Sebastian Vettel and who, what was, okay. So there was Sebastian Vettel and who, and then Sebastian Vettel and another person. It was Vettel and Massa or Vettel and Weber. Vettel and Weber. Wrong. What? It was, was it? Alonzo was joined on the podium by Kimi Rankinen and Massa. Oh my God. Wow. Terrible guys. Absolutely terrible. What, what a shame. <laughs> I think chat got that wrong too. Unless you see edited. Yeah. If you see edited. Oh, yeah. We're just calling it. Okay. Which team announced this week that they are planning a 70 million euro revamp of their factory site? Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, or Sauber? It was uh, Mercedes. Because they just released something uh, this week. And I think Izzy was actually posting about it. It was an architectural thing. Yes, it was Mercedes. Yes. Which, by the way, looks absolutely beautiful. Um, I, I was looking at it in detail on Twitter, F1 Twitter, and I thought it was really cool. It does. It looks fantastic. Lots of trees. Who was the, who was the last non-Mercedes or Red Bull winner of the Monte Carlo Grand Prix? Charles Leclerc, Lewis Hamilton, for McLaren, Sebastian Vettel, and Jensen Button. Ooh, that was, uh, I think it was Lewis Hamilton. Wrong. No. It was Vettel. Really? Yeah, in 2017. Oh, shoot. Oh, you're right. Because he was Ferrari. And last question. A. Arton and Senna won the Monte Carlo Grand Prix every year from the 87 to 93, except one. Which year did he miss out and who was the driver who won? If you miss this, you're going to have to go listen to the... I'm going to have to go listen to the F1 history we did, F1 flashback. And then when I go back... 92 and Mansell. And 1989, uh, Prost. 91, Mansell. Or 88, Prost. It was going to be Prost in 88. Correct. Nice. Yes. Should be proud. I remember that. Willem's going to be like, my boy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now the I get all to... caps. Come on, Ryan. Come on. Now I'm going to go. All right. Cool. So let's see. Sauber, Jensen, <laughs> Senna, Prost. <laughs> okay. Roman That's and some awesome. other dude. I'm sorry, Izzy. Best way to sum up Gutierrez Hill. Yes, I winged it. <laughs> um, that was pretty good. I got six. I got six out of ten, so that's not bad. Nice. Um, 60%. I got 60%. I didn't pass, but I'm still okay with that. So, <clears throat> not bad. Just something a little bit to keep you on your toes. The chat row seemed to like it, too. They were. It was just blowing off the hook. Yeah, that was good. For those of you that are listening on uh, podcast, too, if you guys want to join in on the, the trivia and stuff with us, please feel free to. We are doing this in Discord whenever we record uh, the race review weekend. So 
on uh, this Spanish Grand Prix weekend, this weekend, we're going to have another one. So it's going to be cool. You're not going to want to miss it. Ladies and gentlemen, that does it for this episode of the Apex F1 podcast. Please, like I said, be sure to join our Discord for more F1 talk, debate, memes, and more. If you'd like to consider supporting us, please feel free to subscribe to our Patreon as we have loads and loads more content coming up. Plus, we're going to have trivia. We're going to have a lot more trivia on there. I think that's a a new thing that we should start doing, Josh. It's having a trivia night. That would be so much fun just to have like a whole bunch of people doing it. So be sure to go check that out. And lastly, everybody, please be kind, be grateful, stay safe. And thank you for so much for turning in to the Apex. See you later. They turn.